Hello, my name is Drew Hartz, and it's my pleasure to offer a brief reflection for you today. I'll be coming out of uh, Mark chapter 11, 1 through 11, and then also verses 15 through 19. It reads and says, Now as they approached Jerusalem near Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go to the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here soon. So they went and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and untied it. Some people standing there said to them, What are you doing untying that colt? They replied as Jesus had told them, and the bystanders let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, threw the cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Both those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Then Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And after looking around at everything, he went out to Bethany with the twelve since it was already late. And then it says that the next day passes, verse 12 through 14. And then 15 it says, Then they came to Jerusalem. Jesus entered the temple area, began to drive out those who were selling and buying in the temple courts. He turned over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise throughout the, through the temple courts. Then he began to teach them and said, Is it not written, <clears throat> My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have turned it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the experts in the law heard it, and they considered how they could assassinate him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed by his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. I want us to think a little bit about our Christian witness in our society today. And you know, one of the interesting things that are happening right now is that in recent years, segments of large segments of the church in particular have been becoming uh, awakened to the racial injustice, both in our past and also in our present. Uh, we see that people uh, are kind of moving out of the slumber of, of just so long suppressing the history of our nation, of the forgetfulness of how we got to where we are today. And in sometimes, honestly, the willful ignorance, the desiring not to remember um, the history that made up our nation's realities. Uh, there's an awakening to centuries and centuries of racialized chattel slavery, the 250 years that of slavery that went on in this country. Um, there's an awakening to the genocide and the forcible removal of indigenous people from their uh, traditional lands. Um, there's an awakening to the realities of Jim Crow um, and reservations and, and even Indian boarding schools where children were ripped from their families and, and, and assimilated and colonized. Uh, there's awakening to um, after slavery, how neo-slavery was birthed, right? Um, through convict leasing systems and peonage and chain gangs and sharecropping systems. Um, there's an awakening to the uh, lynching and white terrorism and violence, the 5,000 black men, women, and children that were lynched um, after slavery. Uh, there's an awakening to how we organized geographic space and, and turned it into racial space, racial segregation all throughout the land through uh, uh, restricted deeds and covenants on homes, through uh, redlining, uh, through government policies at state 
state and federal level, as well as sundown towns and all kinds of strategies to racially segregate our society and to keep people excluded from participating in mainstream life. Uh, we're remembering the exclusion, the economic exclusion, um, the uh, exclusion from quality and affordable housing and education and health care, and even exclusion from the democratic process and voting. Um, and of course, there's just this overall awakening to even the role that the church played, not only in uh, being complicit in so much racism, but then misconstruing Jesus, whitening his image um, and making him look like a white American um, in the process. Uh, and, and I think there's also an awakening to how the past um, is never really just simply past, right? The past is not past, but in some ways the past lingers on in the present and shapes our current realities. And people are awakening to how uh, in the present, uh, all of a sudden we realize all these Confederate statues um, and this lost cause myth that, that justified such statues. Um, there's an awakening to how communities that were targeted by like redlining and racial segregation in the past are now in this present moment uh, disproportionately poor, um, awakening to the rise of mass, mass incarceration over the last 50 years and, and the increasing of police brutality in many neighborhoods, uh, and how education funding and, and job, job uh, hiring discrimination continues and persists in our society. And, and enormously, there's uh, the racial wealth gap where black Americans own about one-tenth the wealth of the average uh, white American family, right? These things are being um, revived and recovered in our memory. Uh, the willful forgetfulness is dying away and people are beginning to engage. But what do we do when we recognize that there's so much racial injustice? Here in Mark 11, I believe it gives us uh, some clues, right? Um, I, I wish I could spend a lot of time, but there's just a few things I just want to highlight real quick, which is one, we see that Jesus is very strategic, right? He actually takes the time to, to be organized and has this plan in place to obtain a cult. And so he sends his disciples to do that. And then he's strategic in terms of even the symbolism of the cult as he rides on it and goes into Jerusalem. It would have evoked uh, Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, um, as well as evoking memories of the Maccabean revolts um, as they rode in on horses into Jerusalem as well. Um, and so there's a way that he's evoking this kind of liberative God's deliverance is at hand. People would have been very excited about what's happening in that moment. Uh, he was also just strategic in his discernment, right? Um, what we notice that's only in the Gospel of Mark, we don't see it in Matthew or Luke and certainly not in John's earlier account, um, is that Jesus, when he comes to Jerusalem in God, Mark's account, he goes into the temple and he scouts out the joint first, right? He scouts the joint out uh, and... and and then he, he, he decides that it's not the right timing, and so he leaves. It's kind of like anticlimactic, but he knew the moments, right? Um, and then it says that the next day he comes back, and then he decides that he's going to respond to what's going on. Um, and so he's strategic there, even in discerning the right timing there, um, understanding um, that he wanted to make the greatest impact for what he had to say with his prophetic witness. And finally, uh, he's strategic, but more than just strategic, he had a prophetic witness in the public square, right? Um, Jesus actually went in there and he confronted and he clashed and he judged 
the Jerusalem establishment. You got to understand that in Jerusalem, this establishment there in the temple, they were not just the religious powers. They were the religious powers, the economic powers, the cultural powers, the political powers. It was all concentrated together. There was no separation of church and state, right? Um, And he goes in there into the midst of the power brokers and he confronts them and he challenges them. um, And he calls them a den of robbers, this center uh, place of exploitation. Um, And he shuts the place down and he flips tables over and he, he it's almost like a occupy Jerusalem moment here that we see with Jesus and in response to that of course uh, the leaders they plot and just and and decide that they want to kill him and, and 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 take him out right the empire always strikes back and so we see this happening and what's powerful about what Jesus does is that he knows that that's going to be the consequence he's been saying that all along and he was willing to accept the consequences of his faithfulness right and in some ways that helps us understand the way that we water down what it means to be followers of Jesus. Um, That the idea of taking up your cross, it's not about um, uh, watering it down into like, you know, someone gave you a funny look because you're wearing a Christian t-shirt or uh, it's not about taking up your cross means, you know, you didn't get, you know, the good parking spot at the mall the other day, right? Um, uh, When the middle of the night in the winter and your electric blanket breaks down, right? That's not taking up your cross for Jesus. In the first century, everyone would have understood what that meant. It would have meant accepting state sanctioned execution, right? You're willing to to do anything uh, to be faithful in the way of Jesus, even to the point of death itself, literally, not symbolically, not just spiritually, but one would do so literally, uh, precisely because Jesus was the example who accepted confronting the evils, clashing with the establishment, and accepting the consequences. And that's the way that we're invited to follow as well. I want to end with a story that hopefully can help us think about our Christian witness in this world of racial injustice. And it's a Dr. King story. Uh, In 1963, Dr. King found himself in Birmingham, Alabama, um, uh, one of the most deeply segregated cities in the South. And, And it was a dangerous city. In fact, its nickname was Bombingham because of all the unsolved bombings that went on in the city. And so Dr. King and them, they were planning and plotting and uh, having uh, marches and getting arrested. But unfortunately, people were not getting, uh, were not turning out like the, they, the way that they wanted them to. And so eventually, Dr. King, he was uh, struggling because um, they were running out of bail funds. People weren't showing up like they wanted to. And so this one day, a bunch of the leaders got together in the hotel room um, and they were all sitting around discussing and, and plotting what to do next. One of them said, look, we can't keep doing this. Like we, we've got, uh, it's Easter weekend and Passover week is coming up and we're mostly pastors. We've got to be with our churches. Others said, look, we're running out of funds. Let's send Dr. King um, and, and have him raise funds so that we can get this thing back going. Others said, we just got to push forward, right? We've got to get arrested. It doesn't matter what happens. And this whole time, people are arguing and debating about what they need to do. And Dr. King is just sitting there quietly. He's not saying anything at all. He's just listening to everybody's different perspectives. And so they keep arguing about what they need to do and all the different strategies. And and there was even um, an injunction against marching that was thrown against them. Um, And and so some were saying that they should disregard the injunction and others were saying that they needed to follow it. And suddenly, as they were arguing, all of a sudden, Dr. King gets up and he leaves the room. If you can imagine, this is like a hotel room where it's like a living room space and then like a separate bedroom. Well, he goes into the bedroom and closes the door and leaves everyone outside. Kind of strange, probably 
I'm sure most people didn't know what was going on. And if you can imagine Dr. King, in most cases, like he would wear like a black suit and a black tie and kind of clean cut, uh, classic look. Well, in this case, Dr. King, um, he, he closed the door, but when he opened the door and he came out, he had changed his clothes. And what he was wearing now was blue jeans and a blue work shirt. And the moment people saw him come out with his changed clothes, everyone knew exactly what that meant. Uh, when they saw him with his blue jeans on, they understood that, that it meant it was time to get to work. Um, they weren't going to, you know, to the fancy uh, Easter service. They weren't going to uh, halt the march. Um, they were going to, on Good Friday... Go out and march against the injunction, challenging uh, the racism of the Birmingham system. And they were going to accept going to jail and going um, to prison at that time. And so they they did exactly that. They they went out and there's this famous image of King and Ralph Abernathy and Fred Shuttlesworth all wearing blue jeans and a blue work shirt as they're marching and leading um, that march on that Good Friday. And what is... Uh, I think and powerful about this moment is that Jesus, I'm not Jesus, that King actually wants to be like Jesus, that King actually wants to not just celebrate Jesus, right, on Good Friday and Easter, but he actually wants to follow the way of Jesus in his actual life by actually confronting evil like Jesus did himself. And I think that that's an invitation for all of us, right, that that when we think about this, uh, that we're awakening to the racial injustice in our world, that it's time for us to put on our own blue jeans. It's time to put on our blue jeans for justice, to put on our blue jeans for righteousness righteousness, to put on our blue jeans for truth, to put on our blue jeans for God's uh, righteousness and deliverance in the world, that we could put on our blue jeans for those that are disproportionately locked up in prison, um, struggling today, for folks who are hungry, for folks who are uh, being discriminated against, for folks that who've had so many obstacles put up against them. Um, it's time for us to put on our blue jeans, that we can actually participate in God's reign and God's deliverance and God's hope through our own lives, not just celebrating Jesus, but actually following the way of Jesus, not watering down the meaning of the cross, but actually accepting the consequences that come with our faithful witness in the public square, because we've decided that we're going to overcome evil with good, um, that we're going to actually join in with the good work that God is doing, that God is alive and active. And so my invitation, as we think about uh, what we ought to do as we awaken to the racial injustice in our world, it's time for us to put on our, our blue jeans, to have a faithful Christian witness in the world that uh, seeks to imitate, to follow, and to participate in the way of Jesus. God bless.